Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I am so excited to talk to a phenomenal, phenomenal photographer today. She is a speaker, a writer, the founder and creative director of Petronella Photography. And we're going to be discussing some things that I don't think I've ever talked about before on the podcast and as many events and weddings that I've done and I've collaborated with, with some just amazing, amazing planners, designers, photographers, I have never really dove into multicultural weddings. And so this is what Petronola does. Like she is the expert when it comes to how to do everything from a multicultural wedding. And in being in this industry for almost two decades, I know that I have offended the you know what out of people because I just don't know their culture. And so I've kind of gotten away with it because people just laugh at me and they're like, oh, she's a dumb blonde. But I never want to offend anybody. And so even if you're not in the wedding creative space, I'm sure that you work with diversity and I'm sure that you will want to know the do's and don'ts of how you can better relate to someone who's not from the same place as you. So get ready to talk to Petronella. She's going to give us all the goods. Lugemwa. Is that how you say your last name? Yes. Lugemwa. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love it. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yay. First, I want to know, is your name a family name? Because it's beautiful and it's just unique. So oh. how did your mom decide to name you? <laughs> That's what I want to know first. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by BombBomb. You can quickly and easily send video emails to stand out in your audience's inbox. There's no faster way to record yourself and or your screen. You can set up email campaigns and track for timely, relevant follow-up. BombBomb makes it super easy to build relationships through email, text, and social media with one goal, humanize the planet. Give it a try, bit.ly slash AP BombBomb. Oh, I love it. So my name is actually the feminine of Peter. So oh. So you know, the feminine version of it. And my great-grandfather 
was named Peter. And um, I think there was a huge discussion about what's she gonna be, what's her name? And it just was like, let's honor our great grandfather, Petronella. So I love it. I looked it up. It I think in Latin it's it means stone. Okay. So I always said my name means like she has come, she will stay and she will conquer. And I'm like, oh, I love it. I'll own it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then Lou Gimwa, where are you from? Where so, does that yeah. name come from? I know, right? So Lugemwa is Ugandan. So I was born in Uganda, um, grew up in Zimbabwe, and then my family moved to Birmingham, Alabama when I was 10 years old. What? How the hell did you get to Birmingham? <laughs> I know! <laughs> like the one place my dad got a job. And so we were like, okay, sounds good to us. You know, we didn't know. <laughs> oh, my. so did you go to the space camp ever? Around oh there. my gosh, I love that you know that. Yes. <laughs> that was like the jam. That was like, yes, yes down uh, Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, Huntsville. Huntsville, yes. Oh. We would, my family is from like Biloxi and Ocean Springs, and we would always drive through there. And it was like a big deal because they had like sonic ice at the rest stop area. And then like me and my brother and sister all like loved space, and we would like go to the space camp. <laughs> We were a little bit nerdy. <laughs> I know that. That brought back some good memories. Yeah. So how, so for a girl that's in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and you're 10, how did you start to break into photography first? That's my first question. And then once you started your photography business, how did you feel the void of uh, these wedding people don't know what the hell they're doing when it comes to other cultures because <laughs> you've really coined yourself as the expert in that. So I would just love to hear more on the background of like, where did you get your first camera and how did you start to realize that like there's this hole in the industry? Yeah, yeah. I love sharing the story. So thank you. Um, so I am naturally a more introverted, introspective, shy person. Like I'm the really? one- in a room. I know, right? I know how to put it on for like periods of time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, I used to borrow my dad's camera. He had a film camera. Uh-huh. Just take it, pop some film in it, and I would just go out and shoot anything and everything. I'd just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Just, you know. Um, I remember particularly in high school, uh, I had classmates in the gym. I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do people in motion. And I would just be snapping my classmates, sweating and all of that. I'm sure they were like, what is she doing? (laughs) Um, But that's where it started. Photography was really an avenue for me to express what I was feeling and seeing because um, as a kid, I didn't speak as much. And so I just sort of used photography that way. Um, and so let's see. So my parents are in math and science and as an immigrant child, um, they were always like education and you can become for most immigrant children, you can become a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, or you can go in the sciences. Those are like quote unquote acceptable professions. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I became, I went into chemical engineering. I got my chemical engineering degree. Parents were like, yes. What? to go. Wow. I know, right? That's and amazing. It, it was amazing. I got to work on, um, I always knew I wanted to work with consumer products. So I got to work on 
Pepsi and Advil and CoverGirl. And these were all brands that I was like, oh my gosh, I really, really love this. Um, and I wanted to continue to do that. So I got my business degree and continued to do that. Worked on Advil, Avon, Pepsi, all these amazing brands and brand wow. sort of. So when you worked with all these major brands, were you doing like photography work or like engineer or? Oh, it was 100% business and engineering. So gotcha. brand management, I was actually on the brand team. And the way a brand is done is you have a brand and it has so many arms. It has the online version. It has the TV version. It has the print, all these yeah. different people on the brand own that segment. So I did online for Advil where everything you saw online, I had seen or touched or knew about or you know, that was sort of the thing that I owned. So if you were ever, you know, back, I forget exactly the time. Yeah. I probably touched it and created something on it. Yeah. So you really got to work with some major, amazing brands. And so how did you transition from, okay, I have this stable job where I'm working with all these brands into, I'm going to create my own brand. Yes. So it was lucky. I was working on Advil and one of my coworkers had seen some of my photography work and she was getting married in Mexico. Um, and I had done a couple of like, again, always having the camera and just shooting. And she was like, oh, you did this great thing for I think her mom's 60th birthday. And she was like, we loved that. It was great. Can you come to Mexico and shoot our wedding? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> really? Like, I haven't, I was like, what are you kidding me? I haven't done this. Like, I don't do this. This is your wedding day. You need like somebody like, and she was like, I know you as a person and as a worker and I, I've seen your work and I know you can do this. And they believed in me so much that they allowed me to have a month. Like I literally didn't respond to them for a month. Cause I was like, this is crazy. Um, and then I was like, you know what, let's take a chance and do it. And having the analytical engineering brain and business, I literally sat and mapped out what is it going to take to make, do a good job on this wedding. So everything from, okay, where's this taking place? When I got to the venue in Mexico, I timed, I knew I wanted a shot of the ocean and the water. And then the couple was in this like, it was in, at the Barcelo Mayo and they have this beautiful structure. And so I wanted the ocean looking out. And so, I looked up and I found like a spot at the top of the stairs, but I was only one person shooting the wedding. So I timed how long it would take for me to run up the stairs, get that shot, come back down. Like I just awesome. had everything broken down. I was like, all right, I need to get the ring shot. Okay, I need this macro lens. It's gonna take me five minutes. Like it was very technical, uh -huh. but something sparked in me. I was just more alive, more like, I was like, I love this. I'm, I just feel something came alive in me. And I was like, Oh, there is something here a little different than business. Yeah. Um, and I make this something. Um, but I was too scared to jump and take that leap. So it was kind of like a side hustle for a little bit. Yeah. And, um, I got laid off and that was like the best thing ever. Cause I was like, all right, this is the gift to start my yep. own and jump into that. So, yeah. Isn't it funny how it's like, we're not quitters and like in the culture we live in, at least how I grew up with my parents, it's like, you work for the same company for 30 years and then you retire. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's so like, I, that was hard. The shame that, it, that comes with like, Oh, she gave up easily or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now you're based in the New York area, but I know that you've really kind of just grown up all around the world. So going from where you were born and then landing in Birmingham and how did you, how did you decide out of all the places you've been to base yourself out of New York? Was it because of the airport and the direct flights? I'm just wondering. <laughs> oh, I know. You know what? I think it was coincidence. So after business school, my first job was, yeah, it was on Advil. And so in, where was it? It was in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, so it was just pure coincidence. I knew I wanted to be Birmingham, Alabama had been great, but in terms of diversity and exposure to all the amazing things that New York has to offer, like all the major stars come to New York, it has yeah. great, like everything major happens in New York. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick a job where everything, because I want to be close to that. I want to, you know, as close yeah. as I live in New Jersey, because I, I still have that Southernness. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to see trees. And I need to be able to drive a car. So I still have access to New York. It's a quick 20 minute ride into New York. But um, yeah, but then now I, I live in, in, uh, in the New Jersey area. But then you also go to Philly and DC. Is that just where clients... So it sounds like you really started off like doing des kind of destination and shooting destination weddings. Um, and then do you guys just focus on that? Or it sounds like you still do like corporate business stuff for photography as well? No, that's a great question. So the focus is mostly weddings and marriage proposals. That's what we're really good at. And specifically, so as you said, I specialize in helping multicultural couples celebrate their love in a modern way. And how I got there, it's sort of grounded in a little bit of my story is um, in Birmingham, Alabama, I never saw my culture celebrated and I never saw different cultures celebrated and experienced. And so for a long time, I really hid a part of who I was because I was trying to fit in with everyone else. And I was like, okay, I'm not seeing this out in the world and in the media this must not be okay. And honestly, there were some experiences and comments that made me realize it's not okay to celebrate my culture. So I hit it for a long time. Yes. And for years and years, even corporate America, I mean, you can hear it in how I talk. I talk mm -hmm. quote unquote, very white. Um, I, <laughs> moments I looked very white. You know, I really wanted to fit in and make people feel comfortable. And it wasn't until... I was starting out into wedding photography and I had invested in this brand workshop, sort of branding yourself and sort of figuring out what your positioning is. And um, I had learned to hide my last name because I knew if you knew my last name, you'd know something was up. And um, one of the people was like, wait a minute, we just figured out your last name. What the heck? What's going on there? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just, you know, it's just a thing. And they were like, no, let's dig into that. And they dug into it. And we realized that um, they believed that, and it was the Reichmans in Atlanta, they believe that your gift lies in the secret that you're hiding from the world. Mm -hmm. They were like, you need to share this loud and proud and, and make this something. And they, they told me that. And I, I was like, this resonates so beautifully and 
it just makes sense because I get it. I get what it's like to be multicultural, to have different worlds, to go home and eat a certain kind of food and talk a certain way, maybe talk a different language, be a certain way, but then go out into the real world and then you're this completely different person to fit in. So you're constantly on a daily basis navigating different worlds, which is how I define multicultural is sort of somebody who on a consi consistent basis is straddling different worlds, whether it's faith, wow. language, or you know, daily habits, cultural habits. Yeah. So, so that's do you, do you speak multiple languages? I do. <laughs> I'm like, I speak Luganda, English, French, and I'm working on Spanish. Wow. So, yeah. I'm just, I was looking at your Instagram this morning and your photos first are just beautiful, mm -hmm. but the diversity, not only the stories that you capture of the clients, but like the places that you've been. And it's just, it's gorgeous. So whoever, whatever workshop <laughs> you just said you were at, like, good job for them to like encourage you to like get out there and like do what you do. I'm so thankful we live in this time where transparency is like the cool thing, you know, because um, totally for so long, like over a decade, it's just like, oh, I just sold perfection and nothing's perfect, mm -hmm. but I would never tell anyone. I, I would just fix it and, you know, shove it under the rug and learn from it. And now it's like, oh, those uh-oh uh moments, um, you know, are actually acceptable. And so I'm very thankful for that. Um, what is your, I guess, like in all the different multicultural weddings that you capture, mm -hmm. like, do you have a favorite culture that you just grab? Like, is it your own culture that you gravitate to? Like, do you have a favorite or you just embrace them as they come, <laughs> you know, like, cause people ask me that and I definitely have a favorite, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, it's a hard thing to say. Definitely my own because, you know, it's, I don't get to do as many as I would love to do. So with my, so I'm Ugandan and when a Ugandan couple gets married, they do a couple different ceremonies, but the two major ones, one is the Kwanjula which in the parents' eyes is very like official, like this is happening, they are together, this is moving forward. Um, but it's an eight to 10 hour ceremony where you have two sides of the family sort of sitting across from each other and pretty much discussing the groom. Is he worthy? Where does he come from? Then you have the groom enter in and he's like, hey, I would like to marry your daughter. Is it okay? I come bearing gifts. And all these gifts have been predetermined by the family. Like they put a list together of this is what I want and this is what she's worth and you have to go get it. And over several months, he gets all of this and then he has an entourage and they come in and they present the gifts and there's playful banter back and forth between two MCs, which um, I love hearing because it's just, they're just fun. Like you, they, the couple always pick some fun MCs to sort of talk about who they are. And then you have the bride come out and playfully is covered with a bunch of her girlfriends and he has to sort of pick her out and identify this is the one I really want to marry. And there's chickens and there's, oh, oh there's all kinds of things going on. And I just, it's, yeah, it's lots of fun, but I love it even more so because 
as I've shot other types of weddings. I recently was in Cambodia, even Nigeria. There are a lot of cultures which have a similar setup in terms of the negotiation or the presentation of the groom and the introduction of the groom. That makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I like mine. And then I take that knowledge and sort of translate it into others that I see. So tell us, cause I know again, you specialize in the weddings. So do you have like a crazy slash favorite, like proposal, like where a guy or a girl is like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Or do you guys completely come up with the idea and then, you know, you make the person look like a hero. I mean, cause you know, that's what you do. Um, but like, what's, what's one of the most outlandish things that you've been asked to do? Yeah. So as a, so I focus mostly on the photography. There's an amazing proposal planner, Michelle of the Heart Bandits. So gotcha. she amazing ideas, but one of the most, the one which sticks out the most, it was a New York penthouse rooftop. It was, I want to say it was cold. It was in even January or December or some point where it's cold. But the thing why it's so amazing is he wanted to transform the rooftop, which is this huge space, into a garden. So there were tulips, like there was a silk rug leading up to like the, the spot where he was going to propose to her, which was green. So he pretty much made winter look like spring hundreds and hundreds of tulips. I believe there were orchids. It was just so, so, so over over the top. Um, But it was also meaningful because he was proposing his girlfriend at the time was Italian. And so this tied together all the different elements of who they are and what she loved. And her expression was so amazing as she came down the stairs. He actually had told her, oh, we're going for a helicopter ride. So she came down and kind of was like, where's the helicopter? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, really, girl? Look at all this. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so I love the expression. I love the joy. I love, yeah, they're, they're just so fantastic. Because you just never know what's going to happen. The guy's nervous, you know. But, um, you know, yeah. So I send tips to him to sort of say, hey, Again, like you said, he wants to be the hero. This is what you should, you know, look her in the eyes, take your time on your knee, you know? Yeah, those kinds of tips. Because I've seen some of your photography, like in Times Square, where I guess people like rent those Jumbotron looking things. <laughs> and they really I'm just wondering. Proud. Yeah, like, did girls like that? I mean, I don't know, you know, I guess like to each their own, but it's like, having that up there and having like millions of strangers like look around it's just like do girls like that like do they you know what my number one tip for anyone proposing and i do all types of proposals guys to guys girls to girls yeah yeah so um so my biggest tip is know your person, know who they are, know if they're the kind who would be like, I want to public with thousands and thousands of people, you know, and really make sure it's personalized. Make sure it's not about you and you wanting to put on a show, but that it's really catering to your person and making sure that they are like, oh, this is what I would love. And I would say all of them have been, yeah, like, everyone has loved them, if that makes sense. Like no one has been like, 
ah, uh, this is too much. I don't know. Right. <laughs> WTF, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. But I would say somebody who's really hiring a team to put together a proposal is very thoughtful. It is not sort of like rolling out of the bed and being like, let me just do this. And so they usually consider, usually, <laughs> they're going to mm-hmm. come, they usually consider their significant other. That's awesome. So to jump into the guts of today, it's like, give us some do's and don'ts. Cause I know a ton of research. I mean, even myself, like getting into Indian weddings and Yemen weddings and Nigerian weddings. And I mean, just embracing the culture. And I'm just like in awe of like the colors and the beautiful clothes and all these traditions and you know, the first Indian wedding I did, people look at me and they're like, you're not Indian. And I'm like, no, but I have a lot of saris. <laughs> and, um, you know, but you learn these things. And so, you know, doing the research on it, but then actually being part of it, I feel like is like two different things. It's like, oh, did that just happen? Shit, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, so it's like, what are some do's and don'ts like from your experience that if someone is going to, do a multicultural event or a wedding or even like, I mean, there's so much diversity where I'm based in Nashville and you being in New York, there's a ton of diversity. Like what are some top things that you can share with our audience? Yeah, sure. So I would say the first thing is, and I'll give an example of myself. I was um, shooting an Indian wedding and um, in photography, there's an idea of, there's this like per prominent image that you think about when you think about like the bride holding her hands up with henna like that's Mm -hmm. the image that you want to get and I remember being in the wedding I'd done a lot of research talked to the couple really understood them but for whatever reason that image popped in my head and I was like oh my god I have to have it so I can really show people I've done this and I can do this and I asked the bride to do that I was like oh hold your hands out let's see your henna and I remember her being like she very beautifully touched me and was like, hey, we're not really into that. Um, it's not really us. I don't want to do this. And mm. I loved it because in that moment, it brought me back to a place of, whoa, let's think about our notes. Let's think about what we talked about. And the biggest thing, which leads to what I'm going to share, is whatever idea you have of a certain cultural wedding, I would say throw it out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah you'll come in and try to make that wedding into what you see in the media. And I think a lot of times the media portrays different cultures in a certain way. And sometimes it's completely off base as in, you know, like me being like, oh, hold your hands out like this. This is what what works. Um, And so throw whatever idea you have and all of us, whenever you think of, I'm pretty sure any sort of culture, you think, oh, I know what to expect. This is what it's going to look like and feel like. And I would say, throw that away and really talk to the couple, talk about who they are, what's important to them, how they self-identify with their culture. Because right now, as the world is becoming much more multicultural, there are different spectrums of couples, right? So my couple, the Indian couple is actually much more Americanized than Mm -hmm. true, true traditional. So for them, they were like, let's much, much more modernize. So that image was taking them back to a place that they weren't, they didn't quite self-identify themselves with. So that's a question that I have no problem. Like initially when somebody inquires, I'm literally like, 
Tell me about your heritage. Tell me about your background. How do you identify with it? What does it mean to you? What elements of who you are do you want to bring out? And how is that going to show up in your wedding? So asking lots of questions, I think that leads to point number two. Ask a lot of questions from a place of curiosity and understanding and like, I genuinely want to love you and understand who you are. Um, and you'd be surprised, people are not afraid. You can make mistakes, like you can be like, I think this is what happens at this sort of ceremony, but can you help me understand if that's true or not? Like no one's gonna be offended by that, if that makes sense. So I would say ask lots of questions, do a lot of research upfront. If you find yourself in a place where, um, this has happened to me where, <laughs> I didn't know that there was another cultural element to a couple and I'm in this situation and I'm photographing. Um, I have a system called the mask system. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so M stands for movement. So if I'm, if I'm in a situation where I'm not quite sure and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there were this culture, this culture going on, I'll look for movement. Where's the movement happening? What's going on? What does it mean? Because that's usually a sign of something important's about to happen. A is attire, really pay attention to attire. What are the parents wearing? What is the bride wearing? What is the groom wearing? Why are they wearing that from the shoes to the jewelry to the everything? Like why is she wearing a white dress? Now she's wearing this dress. What does that mean? What's going on? Like pay attention to that. And that's gonna give you clues as to what's important and how to better understand and respect respectfully honor that culture. Um, the third one, S, is symbols. And this one's a little bit harder um, because you kind of have to do a little bit of research, but look for symbols that like, that might be important. Like in my culture, if you see the chicken come out, that's a sign. The groom hands the chicken over to the brother as a sign, like I'm going to take, like it's a sign of masculinity. It's sort of like, I'm going to take care of your sister very, very well, and I respect her and all of that. So that, that like, like a real chicken? Like a, a live chicken. chicken, yes. My brother-in-law did that, yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah, okay. so it's those small things that you're like, I've never seen that before. Why is like, I think with modern, um, regular way, like the ring, you know the ring is special, right? You know that's like, okay, that's an important symbol of coming together. But with cultural weddings, there are other symbols that, are meaningful to each specific culture. And so just looking out for those are gonna give you clues as to, hey, I need to pay attention. I, there's something happening here and this is important to this person, regardless of what field you are, whether planning or photography, I need to capture this or I need to know what's going on with this. Um, then the last thing is key people. Pay attention to the key people, where are they positioned, what are they doing, and how are they interacting? And that's gonna give you a clue as to what's going on sometimes if you're in a situation where you're like, I didn't realize this was gonna happen. Okay, let's, you know, my sister's wedding, um, before she walked down the aisle, my mom uh, brought together a bunch of women that had supported her and supported my sister throughout the process and they came in as an entourage. Now this is something that she hadn't told the planner was going to happen, but Ooh. it was movement. The planner, if I, as a planner, I would have been like, oh my gosh, there's movement. The mom is in the front with all these women. Something important is happening. Let me pay attention. Let me figure out what's going on. Is that, 
Does that make sense? So that's the mask system in terms of. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's just, um, so, I mean, it's just so interesting to me. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like ask a lot of questions and don't assume. And so it's like going from my first Indian wedding to my second, you know, I just assumed they all wanted red and gold. <laughs> like, yes, yes. And I'm like, uh, and then, you know, the mom looks at me and she's like, uh, we're from the other side of India and we like purple. And, and then, you know, the next one is like, don't assume purple or red or gold. It's very modernized and they want it all white. And I'm like, oh, I thought that meant something bad. And you're, you know, but I never uh, assume anymore. And so have you had to handle as the photographer, because I know a lot of planners have to deal with this, but as the photographer, um, you know, in everyday life, it's like we deal with parents that are divorced or remarried or girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, whatever. And, but as a photographer, when you're capturing stories with all these different cultures, have you ever had some uncomfortable situations where you've had to step in and like fix the situation just because of miscommunication. That's something that I've learned that is huge. It's in different cultures. It's just the miscommunication of our culture versus their culture. And so do you have any examples of that? And, and how did you handle it? Yeah. Yeah. So I have two different examples of, of communication in different ways. One of them is, um, it was a multicultural wedding and we had the venue and the and the, the venue coordinator and how they had a specific timeline of how things run like at this time we're going to do this and then food is going to be served in the first course and the second course and i remember having a conversation this was right before the wedding i remember having a conversation with them because it was a nigerian wedding there was a nigerian aspect to it and i was like hey i just wanted to give you a heads up that will, your timeline is about to be shot <laughs> because this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a money dance. There's going to be an entourage coming in. And I remember her being very adamant about, hey, no, but this is going to throw things off and this is how things, and I just was like, hey, we need to figure out how to make this work because if you try to cut that short, you're going to offend the family and you're going, like, it's not going to be a good thing. So let's figure out how to build in something which accommodates, you know, I know food has to come out at a certain time. This needs to flow in a certain way. Um, but how can we also accommodate the family? Because it's really, really important. And the way you manage and the way we work together on the situation is going to impact how the family and the bride and groom view you and let's make this a good situation where we all come out really well. Um, and so I think she really appreciated the enlightenment. Like, I'm like, girl, it's not going to happen that way. You know? Yeah. There's, there's, it's going to be about 30 minutes of dancing, give or take 15 to 30 minutes of, you know, money dance. Like, it's not going to be like a clear with a normal wedding. You just have, you know, the parents walk out, clap, you know, form the arch or whatever. Um, but this one, there's going to be something which goes on for a very long time. And so I loved that she was able to pivot and really open up her eyes and be like, oh my gosh, okay, we can't do that. We're going to do this. And this is how we're going to make this happen. Um, so that's so flexibility. <laughs> yes, flexibility. A lot of flexibility and openness. And like, there's a Western way of doing things. And then there's also 
other ways of doing things and, and how things flow. Um, another example that's a little bit trickier is with a lot of multicultural weddings, family is a huge, huge, huge part of the celebration. And I would say, I, um, for most photographers, there's certain shots that you're kind of like, oh, the family formals, I don't really want to do this. It's not as fun, as exciting as maybe this reception or the bride looking beautiful or, you know, other elements. And so I would say I definitely have seen and people sort of shove the parents and sort of be like, okay, they might have this request and you're just kind of like, Ugh, no, I want to focus on this. This is what I've been told to. And this is sort of how things flow. Um, but I would say in a situation, so sometimes, you know, you're tasked with the, the couple will say, hey, we need you to take these specific shots. And then the family members will come in sort of like, this is our day too. And oh, we God. like shots with me and my auntie, me, my auntie and my grandsister, my auntie, da, 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 and like a whole new photo shoot. And so for me, I'm lucky that I usually have a big team and depending on the culture, we've done a lot of homework and I sort of understand, hey, I'm, I might need to staff and add more people because these type of requests are going to come. Um, and so to really look at that person and be like, hey, what you're asking is really valid and important. I think that'll very quickly quell a lot of the tension that you sort of feel between, oh, I'm supposed to do this, but you have this request and how do I handle it? Um, and either saying, hey, in some instances I've been like, hey, it's really important and we've been told that we need to focus on this right now, but how about this? During the reception, grab either me or you know, whoever else is on the team and we can do that for you. Or you know, if you plan it in advance, being like, hey, we're gonna give you this time slot where we can do all these different combinations of photos, if that's important to you. But it, I think the key thing is just acknowledging that that person has made that request and really acknowledging the family, especially the mom, usually the moms and are really important in multicultural weddings. So really not trying to brush them aside, but really saying, hey, I hear you, I see you, how can we make this happen? So the other big thing that I've noticed in multicultural weddings is who pays for what and how that can drive decision-making. And so do you, ever get caught up in that and specifically what I've seen with photography is that the bride's family will hire a whole photo video and then the grooms the whole and it's like damn we got like paparazzi up in here like literally 20 different flashes and cameras and then they're fighting each other so it's like that happened to me one time and then from then on I knew to ask the photographer and the video team like hey do you have it in your contract that you are the exclusive photographer? Mm -hmm. And if each family is going to hire their own team, we all need to have a meeting and we need to talk and we need to work together. I mean, it was, it was really as, as the planner, like I was so uncomfortable and I felt like I had to completely like deviate to where my head needed to be. And thank God, like you, like I've learned the hard way. It's like, you know, on some of these larger weddings, I need 12 people with a, a really good radios and backup batteries. <laughs> and so have you ever been a part of that before? And like, how do you handle that part? Yes, that's, yeah, that's expected. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would right? say, first of all, it depends on where the wedding is taking place. If it's happening 
for example, like in Uganda, where it's so commonplace for every single member of the family to hire their own person. Um, you can't like exclusivity is in my contract and that doesn't mean anything. Like people are still going to be like, yeah, whatever we're, we're here gotcha. and how things roll. So roll with it. Um, what I do do is a lot of times just knowing what may be coming up. I have a conversation with a couple in advance of their wedding and I talk about, Hey, this is what could happen. Like if there are four other photographers and I'm trying to shoot this and this is really important to you, this is what could happen. We may have photographer, mom's photographer over your head with a big lens in all your photos. Is that okay with you? How would you like me to navigate that? And we start having, and then once, so I sort of kind of put it on them and we sort of have a discussion okay, this is what could happen. And for most people, when they think about that, they're like, oh, but all these people are gonna be there. Um, I just did one recently, maybe a few months ago, and we had that conversation and she went to the other photographer who the mom had hired and said, hey, when Petronella is doing this, this, and this, you need to be like X feet away or this, you know what I mean? So it was on her to sort of manage that. And I definitely, on the day of, if I see other people, I immediately go and have a conversation with them. Hi, da-da-da-da, what are you doing? I'm doing this, what lens are you gonna be on? Okay, let's dance together, let's figure out how this is going to work. Um, in most, you know, if it's an American wedding, they will usually just have me exclusively, just as the contract says, but um, there are instances where, you know, it's just culturally what it is and you yeah. kind of try to, you know, have that conversation in advance and then on the day of, you do your best. Yeah. Got it. So what are the big mistakes that you see planners and coordinators making with some of these multicultural weddings that you're trying to capture? Biggest mistakes. Um, timing and flexibility, I would say, is one of the, the biggest mistakes that I see. Um, for me in particular, you had mentioned attire one time. Mm -hmm. um, I would say for me personally, I think it was one time I had a Chinese wedding, a very, very traditional Chinese wedding that I was helping a friend out with. And I showed up in a beautiful black dress like, yes, I am bringing it. <laughs> Um, and then I walked into the room and I instantly knew I had completely messed it up um, and later found out black is a sign of mourning and death and bad luck. And um, yeah, so that was a mistake that I was like, okay, I understand that. So the next time I shot a Thai wedding, um, I asked the family, I was like, oh, tell me a little bit. I was thinking, considering wearing black because black is very, in our industry as a vendor, usually wear black to blend in. And, mm -hmm. It sort of makes sense. And they were very quickly like, her colors are gold and sage and black is bad. Like, do not wear black. And so I went out and I bought a gold dress and, you know, I just understood that that's what really, you know, was important to them. So, so again, just ask, <laughs> like yeah, ask, so ask, don't assumptions. ask lots and lots of questions. Don't make assumptions. Be flexible with the timing and flow of things and um, make sure that the family has some say over something. Like you can designate specific buckets where you're like, okay, I'm gonna get a lot of input from the family on this specific part, but just engage and involve them and do not dismiss them. Cause that'll, that can make your yeah. job easier. 
yeah. cannot be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so easy because it was, yeah, you can be like, well, you're not really, yeah, it's, it's easy to do. So, oh my God. So, really, like, what makes you and your job like it's, it's different because you're not just showing up with a camera, like, you really, again, you specialize and focus in all these multicultural weddings. So do you feel like it's more difficult or that's just what you do now because you've really owned it? And so what are some different aspects that are you still learning as you go as we like, I don't know, I feel like I'm in this whole different generation (laughs) these days. Um, Like how have things changed? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would, first of all, I want to put it out there. I do love multicultural weddings, but I do not say that I know every single wedding and I know what to expect on every single one. I learn, like I do a credible amount of research, I and the rest of the team before every single wedding to sort of understand, okay, who is this couple? What is the culture and what spectrum are they on? To me, like some people would view it as like, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. Like I actually, I I mean, I have friends in the industry that were like, I'll never do another Indian wedding because they have this thing called IPT. I'm like, what? They're like Indian people time and they don't show up for rehearsal. I mean, they're just very like stuck in their ways and very much stuck, stuck in their culture. I'm like, then stay in your lane. Like if you're only comfortable doing Christian church, Catholic weddings, then do that because that makes you comfortable. So just wondering, like, how does it make your job different? Because you're not just a photographer, like, showing up with, you know, a camera. It's like you've got to think of all these other things of um, how you're going to capture the multicultural aspect of it. So just, like, how is that different from, like, a normal wedding photographer, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's different in – there are usually a lot of different elements. I love it, by the way. I, like – I thrive. I love that it's always different and it always keeps my eye like I'm, I'm, all, I'm never bored. I'm always on my toes, always looking, thinking, looking for movement, attire, symbols, key people, what's going on. Um, so I love that. It's all about your personality and what you're comfortable doing because again, like some people are not up for the challenge and they're not up for traveling all over the place and they're not up for capturing because it brings on this whole, um, sense of stress, but it's like you embrace it and you, you get drive off of that. And I think it's just a personality thing. Um, and then also you going from all the different places you've lived and then, so you, so you, did you grow up in Birmingham in the South the whole time before you ventured and be out to become a photographer? You know, I did. Of course. <laughs> so, I mean, you're a Southern my, girl at heart. Uh, yeah. So there's Southern, there's, so from Uganda to Kenya where my sister's born because of political turmoil. And then Zimbabwe is usually really where I grew up. Um, yeah. There's Birmingham, Alabama. And then I went to school in Virginia. And then Baltimore is in there. And then I studied abroad in Cape Town, South Africa. Then Oh my God, I'm going there next month. I can't wait for a conference. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. And to Cape Town. I'm so excited. It's oh just... Let me, yeah, I'll give you some tips afterwards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'll have to, but I mean, in all these places that you've been, do you think that how you embrace all these different opportunities, do you feel like you're so comfortable in your skin doing it because you have like 
been to all these places, you've exposed yourself to all these different cultures. And to me, like, that's what makes you different. Because if you ask like a lineup of a hundred photographers, have you been outside of the U S you know, half of them will probably 80% of them will tell you not no, but hell no, because they don't want to travel with their equipment or they don't, you know, they're just, um, I think fear gets in the way and people are just comfortable. And so like, it sounds like you're comfortable being uncomfortable. I know I am because I get bored. <laughs> so it sounds like you're a lot like that too. Yeah, just embrace the unknown. I think, well, there's a quote by Oprah. I think everyone just wants to feel understood and seen. So I go in with a mind of like, how can I see you? How can I understand that? And so as things come my way, whether oh my God, this is completely different. And I didn't expect that. And nah, I'm like, but it's, but it's telling me something about who you are and what's important to you. So I'm going to figure out a way. So that's sort of my approach and attitude. Um, travel completely helps because when you go other places, you see different ways of doing and being, but you also see the commonalities. We all love family togetherness community is all the same. It might look different, it might be executed differently, but at the end of the day, that's still the same. And when you feel that, especially when you travel, it just opens you up more to be like, okay, like I can be more flexible and I can open up my eyes to different ways and um, yeah, different people and cultures and different ways of being. It's so awesome. So is there anything that you wish that you had known when you first started out in this industry? Anything? Yeah, I think when you start out, I played small. Like I was like, this thing that I'm doing, I don't know if everyone will love it. And, you know, there was definitely some feedback, like, I don't know if you're doing. And I just wish I had gone big. I wish I had dreamed bigger. I wish I had dove in a thousand percent because now I'm opening doors that I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have opened that door like five years ago. And so um, I wish I had just embraced my dreams and dreamed bigger and really people are so amazing and people are so open and maybe some aren't, but you just keep knocking on the door and something's going to open up. And so I just wish I had dreamed bigger and yeah, traveled more and just did a lot more, yeah, more fun, exciting things to push myself and grow myself. Yeah. And again, I, it's like, we are our worst enemy, like by just being fearful of I'll make a mistake, I'll fail. I'm like, I don't think about that ever. If something happens, I'm like, oh shit, well, I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> you know, it's just like, move on. Like, don't dwell on it. It's like, that was the, you know, the past was the past. You learn from it. Um, so yeah, I would say that's what I love about what you're doing. You seem like you're always constantly like, okay, let me try this. Let me just, yeah. Something that you do so well. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get on that. Like your Instagram, you're constantly just like, I'm in the car. I'm now going here. I'm like, this is what happened. Oh, well, let's see what happens. And I think that's beautiful. That's so awesome because you completely embrace who you are and you're just, it, it makes people feel like, okay, 
she's cool with that. I've seen her in all sorts of phases, going through all sorts of things. So it's okay to be myself. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> it's like, no one is dying. It's going to be okay. And I just, I remember in my twenties, like I was so hard on myself mm-hmm. and I, I just was psycho about being perfect, perfect, perfect. And you know, you get I the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, totally me. don't do that. It's like, don't hold yourself back just because you think you're not going to do it perfectly. It's like, we'll give it a try. Now I don't like yeah. to have do anything, and but there's so much grace and mm-hmm. failure is such a beautiful teacher. Oh my goodness. You just yeah. so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One last question, because I know a lot of people who work on their feet for 20 hour days lately, the big talk is like shoes. And so do you shoot in heels all day or do you wear like comfortable shoes? And do you have any secrets about how to keep your feet from not wanting to fall off at the end of some of these four day multicultural weddings? (laughs) Oh my God. I love this question. Yeah. So yes, in the beginning, I wanted to look cute and I wanted uh-huh. to look stylish and I was, I can't believe I shot a wedding in heels one time. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, you feel it and you, you realize you can't do certain things like the cute dress, the cute tight dress. You maybe can't angle yourself to get that shot because you're going to offend everyone when you, you know, you're lying on the ground and everyone. So now I have, um, I wear all black nice sneakers mm-hmm. um, hoku hoka 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 one makes some great really amazing sneakers which are all black so they can seamlessly blend in with your attire if that's what you're if that's you know what you're going to be wearing um cole Haan has some good stuff oh and adidas has a really really amazing line that's very stylish and can can you know work with different types of outfits yeah so for multi-day weddings, yeah, cute <laughs> high heels, <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> so I used to care. And then um, yeah. was- and then you're like, ow, oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And you can't give your best when you're focused uh-uh. on being cute and presenting. Like, And at the end of the day, they want to know what you can do for them. So Right. Right. I'm like, I'm not here to look cute. Um, I'm here to like work for you. Like I don't, I'm not a guest. Yeah. And you know, is that going to be, yeah. Does that mean I have to wear the, you know, four inch padded sneakerish, nice sneaker, but you know, to your wedding. Yeah. It's, it's just funny. Like that's been like the big talk. I was recently speaking somewhere and um, someone like that was one of the questions that I got. And I'm like, you know, that's really funny. I'm like Z coil and sketchers have definitely been yes. the runners. Um, they're not that cute, but again, like you don't care anymore. Sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm here to work. Not look cute. So where can everyone connect with you? Do you have a preference on, social, like, I know that you have your beautiful photos all over Instagram. Is that where you feel like people should follow you? Mm-hmm. Instagram is where I live, where I love, where I connect. 
Um, I'm ramping up on LinkedIn as well, if that's your jam. I also am there too. It's pretty new, but Instagram is where, you know, I love seeing things and talking to people and all that good stuff. So that's awesome. So is, is Patron, is that, is P E T R O N, is that like the tequila? Oh, I'm just wondering. Oh, no, no, no. That's P-A. Isn't gotcha. Yeah. I'm not a good speller, so I just no, have to laugh at myself. I've heard it all. Since I've been young, I've heard all kinds of things. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to make sure. Petroleum, jelly, like all kinds what? of things. Yeah, so I've heard it all. But it's Petronella Photography is my Instagram. P-E-T-R-O-N-E-L-L-A Photography. So, Perfect. And we'll put it in the show notes too. So people can, can just click. Um, so I see on your Instagram, did you shoot a wedding in Bangkok? I did in the past, but okay. not this recent time. I'm working on that. We, uh, there's actually working with a couple of wedding planners on some future things. So coming soon, I love Thailand. I'm always there. And I was like, this is time to really build some connections and make some yes. networking happen. So yeah. Yes. Uh, we did a conference in Bangkok and it, I, we would get like $6 massages on our like feet yeah. and, for an hour. And that included the tip too. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you could get amazing clothes and amazing massages for like hardly any, I don't know. I, f- I felt like I was like ripping them off when they're like six us dollar, four us dollars. And plus two, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I think I'm going to do this every day. And then we had a, a stop in Dubai. It was like halfway for a few days. And then I'm like, Oh, our first dinner in Dubai was our entire seven days in, in Bangkok. I'm like, we're eating peanut butter and crackers the, the rest of the trip here. <laughs> like it yeah, was Dubai is very like, grand and like let us throw money around uh-huh yeah but I just happened to see that I'm like ah I don't know if I'll go back there anytime soon but it's a really neat really neat culture Mm -hmm. out there that's so cool so cool and congratulations on I see named one of 30 rising in the wedding industry like in the world like that's amazing congratulations on that first black woman it's really yeah it's very exciting That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And everyone who's listening, be sure you go and check out Petronella's Instagram. I mean, that's where I'm just like ooing and eyeing over your photos. And you speak as well and travel. Do you primarily focus on speaking on multicultural weddings? Yes, multicultural weddings, ideal clients, um, preparing to probably talk about proposals as well. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much the focus. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for giving this platform to sort of share my story and give some tips and advice. And I hope it was helpful to your listeners. Awesome. Everyone, thanks for listening and be sure you tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders. And be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot post it to your Instagram story, 
tag me at gsdleader underscore and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.